Hello and welcome back to Webhead's Comic Club. It's been a little while. Uh, sorry for the absence. Uh, if you saw the last episode, you know that I was sick as a dog when we were recording that. Uh, and I mentioned on other videos on my channel, if you didn't see them, uh, I did test positive for COVID. And we were... I was out of commission for basically a month and a half. I mean, I had COVID for a week and a half, had some lasting issues after that. Uh, so we weren't able to do the podcast in now, until now, but we are back. It's been uh, almost two months, but JP, how you doing? I've been pretty good. Um, yeah, I've just been waiting for you to get back on the horse so we can start doing this again. I, I, I was, was waiting myself. <clears throat> the one thing I did think, though, is, you know, we had the podcast where you mentioned that you had COVID, right? And that went out. Right. And then... After that released, you completely went ghost on the internet. So anybody that doesn't follow you on Twitter, at least, I think that's really the only place I've seen you post, at least, must have been very worried. Hopefully not. I mean, <laughs> it's just, you know, I mean, I, I meant to put out a video and be like, hey, here's why I'm gone. But I was literally just bedridden, like... It was just, I was not focusing on YouTube. Like, I was focusing on obviously getting better. But we literally, I started feeling sick. We recorded that episode, we put that episode up, and then... I tested positive like a day or two after that, and I was just like, run of the mill, COVID sick, had all the symptoms for a week and a half, and then I thought I would get better and I'd be able to go back to normal, so I thought maybe we'd skip like one week, and then I've just had, and I talked about this a little bit in Around the Boxes, so I won't talk about it too much, but I had just lasting respiratory issues, chest pain, breathing difficulties, different stuff like that, still having that a little bit, so if I am breathing kind of weirdly or clearing my throat a lot or anything like that i apologize to our listeners because i know that can be annoying i'm trying not to um but obviously you know can't really control it that much uh but yeah no we were gone it, it feels we were talking right before we started recording that it feels like it's been less time than it actually has since the last episode went up because this episode is actually a re-recording because we filmed this episode about a month ago and I uh, did a whoopsie and messed up the audio. So right. I was it. I just didn't have any audio. I you should have just released it. I thought about it. You know, I thought about like you know, dubbing we... it. You know, <laughs> like like trying to lip sync and figure out what you said, and then just have you like record lines. You should get someone that's not me. You should get like one of our other friends to just record my lines for me. That would have been hilarious. Kind of pretend to be me. It would have been a lot of work. I still have the video, so maybe we can do that as like a, a bonus feature. Little, little bonus feature, but. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I also, I did record the, well, four, five or six episodes. You were gone by myself, but I guess you deemed them to be not kid friendly or something like that. So I guess we just had to scrap those. That, uh, that is a lie. That did not happen. Um, but no, I, I literally, I had everything with COVID and then when I thought I was getting better, I was like, all right, let's record another episode. And we sat down, we recorded this episode and then I went to edit it, to upload it and JP just had no audio. I had messed up the audio settings, and it was just me talking, and James's mouth was moving, and there was no audio. So I was like, dang it. And then immediately after was when my COVID stuff got worse. So I was like, all right, guess we're just going to have to try again and whenever I'm ready. Um, so we might have a little bit of deja vu when we're recording this episode because we have already discussed these comic books, but we're back. Back for round two. Um, see if it goes better. See if it goes but, better. Know, I'm happy because we're discussing um, some really a roller coaster of uh, five issues here. A roller coaster of five issues. I am going to be kind of jogging my memory as we go along because yeah, it's too. it's also been 
you know, it's been a month since we've recorded a Webheads episode. It's also been a month since I've read any of these comic books. So I've kind of missed it because I was enjoying reading the issues every week. So I'm excited to get it going again so I can actually start reading the next ones. But um, I guess we can just go ahead and dive into it. I think that's enough uh, rambling about all the crap that's been going on so far this what year. Else? What ails you? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, 2022 has been off to an interesting start. Um, speaking of 20. <clears throat> speaking of 20. Issue number 20. Issue 20. Uh, for reminders, in case anyone has forgotten, since it has been a while since our last episode, this episode we are talking about Amazing Spider-Man 20, 21, 22, 23, and 24. Um, so working through those five issues. Uh, so if you want to read along with us, go ahead and pause the episode. Go read those comic books. I highly recommend you read the comics yourself. If you haven't read them, you had two months. Exactly. If you haven't read them yet, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Now, you don't have to read along with us, but I highly recommend reading along with us, uh, because really, as much as we can discuss these comic books and give our thoughts on them, nothing can substitute reading them yourself. Oh, especially the ones. Yeah, especially these ones. I mean, it's classic Stan Lee, classic Steve Ditko, but let's dive into issue number 20. Uh, we are going to just dive straight into this book and discuss it. Now, first of all, I think, I think, and I'm really jogging my memory here, you had said this was the issue you were most excited for this episode. Am I correct? Let me jog my own memory. It was either I this or 23. It was this and, and 23. Um, <clears throat> I love the Scorpion. He is in my top six favorite. Obviously, going to do top six instead of top five. I love the Scorpion. He's kind of like that lower level kind of street thuggish kind of category of Spider-Man villains. He's, uh... I think he's one of the best, if not the best at that level i had completely forgotten until reading this issue that he's also just completely batshit crazy right uh like total psycho yeah um, i mean like most most super villains really. well, I, I feel like that kind of fades from his character a little bit in the more recent books yeah um but reading this definitely um brought it to the forefront but so this was definitely one you're anticipating did it live up to the hype how do you feel about it overall <clears throat> you know um was pretty good i mean i i this is one of the issues i remember pretty pretty well because i have the issue mm-hmm. i do not 20 it's a little little Recently brown got 20. There. um see? <laughs> Maybe a little, it's, it's got some yeah, yeah it's, it's just the green it makes it show up a little bit no it's, um, <clears throat> it's just the cover actually no i'm kidding just a piece of the cover yeah you have the cover list um, annual one and then just the cover of 20 i think i should staple them together there you go. Collectors everywhere just cringe. Um, uh, as you were sorry. saying, <laughs> I just got twenty nine, which I'm actually really excited for. That's a, that's 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 next episode. Or Yeah, that's next episode. Next episode. Yeah. Um, this is a really good issue. I like Scorpion more as he progresses through his character than I guess right when he just started. But this is a classic, classic origin story for Spider-Man villains. Yeah. Um, and it not only is a new villain, but it's a continuation of our main villain through these first 20 issues, which is J. John Jameson. Mm. So, yeah, I think it lived up to the hype. I, J- I, 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 it lived up to my hype. J. J. John Jameson has been hyped up. I mean, the entirety of this podcast, we've been talking about how he is just building up to this villain role. This is the episode where it really starts to hit the fan, and going into next episode is when J.J. is like a full-blown menace himself um but diving into this book first thing we got to address right there on the splash page i love on the credits 
It has illustrated by Steve Ditko in like black text, and then it says written by Stan Lee in big red text. Uh, and specifically next to it, it says many readers have asked why Stan's name is always first on the credits, and so Big Hearted Lee agreed to put Stevie's name first this time. And they're just totally dunking on Steve with Stan's name being big. Like, is it any surprise that Steve Ditko hated Stan Lee? Like, is that any surprise? <clears throat> I mean, this is funny though. I mean, if, if you don't find this type of thing funny though, you're probably a little bit, uh, a little bit jaded about something. A little bit, but also like, it is funny. But man, they're really giving it to him. I mean, come on. I would, I would, I like, uh, as thousands of people would want to be a fly on the wall of their their relationship and see actually what went down. If, and this couldn't happen because there was no one there filming it. But if someone made like a documentary about. Stanley and Steve Ditko's relationship, like with footage in their offices and stuff, that would be gold. I mean, uh, you don't even like have pictures of Steve Ditko. Yeah, Steve Ditko. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, Steve Ditko, obviously the artist of all of the books we've reviewed so far. Uh, him and Stanley's relationship was pretty strained. That's why I pointed out this credits thing because that's kind of, you know, Stan probably thought it was just a good-hearted joke. Steve probably held some resentment because of it. Um, and they, their relationship kind of hit a boiling point later on, a couple years from this, um, and Steve left Spider-Man and left Marvel and basically just wanted nothing to do with the whole Marvel phenomenon. I mean, he didn't go to conventions, he didn't go to signings, like, there are a select few of people who got signatures by mailing books into him, but most of the time, I mean, he, he just kind of became a recluse. Fully. So... It's a shame, because, you know, obviously he co-created Spider-Man, and he still gets credited to this day, but he wasn't for a long time. For a while, Spider-Man was just credited towards Stan Lee, and that was yeah. part of his gripe. Um, but anyway, diving into the actual content of the book, uh, this follows up on the ending of issue 9, where we saw Peter getting followed by some mysterious person, and we didn't know who it was, or who they're working for. Right. And we had some theories... What what, did he, what where were we on the theories? Did you did you feel I like you it, knew who it was? I, I knew who it was. Okay. Because I like I said I I loved Scorpion so I knew kind of, I knew who it was. At first I was like, "Oh. You know, this could be really anybody. <clears throat> it could be Jay Jonah obviously. It could be some random guy, but I knew who it was, so I didn't I couldn't really have fun with it. I also knew who it was because I knew the person was tied to Scorpion's origin. Um, but as I've been reading these books, and trying to read them as a first-time reader, as if they were coming out in the 60s, and I have no clue what's going on, I was intrigued. I didn't know who it was, and the issue begins right off with this guy following Peter around, and he's kind of, he, he sees him, and he's like, oh, who's this guy following me? Um, and he starts to investigate. And pretty quickly, it's revealed that it is, in fact, J. Jonah Jameson that the guy works for. Not very surprising. Although... The question that I had when I read this was, why is J. Jonah Jameson following Peter Parker? Right. And the answer, to see how he takes such great photos of Spider-Man. That's what he says. I think he suspects something. Now, <clears throat> JJ's not an idiot. Hold your damn horses over here. You want to go ahead and say that. But you don't. You don't want to even hear about my Aunt May. <laughs> I. There's no way. I think, literally, Aunt May, in this comic just now, Spider-Man jumped into his room, and Aunt May comes in. She's like, "Are you okay? I heard a loud noise." Like, she doesn't think she's, he's Spider-Man. Yes, she does, though. 
because even in the you don't know about this because you're living in the 60s right but when it is when she does say i've known it for a long time obviously stan didn't write those books so you know you can't say okay no, he wasn't putting that in there mm -hmm. pretty much saying though that she said all those <clears> things that she's saying now to kind of make sure he was good and to put him on the right path. i mean all i'll say is you know, you've got your theory. We said as we read through these, we're gonna look and see if we can spot when Aunt May, Aunt May figures it out. I just don't it think happened. I don't think I can definitively say it's happened yet. It could have. I think it did. I don't remember what issue it was, but I think it was last episode. I think it was last episode as well. Um, where? She, yeah, it was. Uh, what happened? It's hard to remember. I don't know. Go check out last know. episode if you want to remind yourself. Yeah, so we don't have to. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Peter goes back to the Bugle, uh, sees J.J. there, and then that's when it's revealed that this guy who's tailing him is working for J.J. Um, and when we kind of learn his identity, and this is Mac Gargan. Mac Gargan, what a name. Who, even before he go becomes crazy later in this issue, he's kind of already a nut job, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, to, to have those type of tests or experiments done on you, just for some money. I, I get I get it to a certain extent, right? But you gotta be a little bit off. It's, yeah. And even just right from the get-go, I mean, he's just clearly a criminal for hire. You know, so morally, uh, obviously not the best guy. And JJ is super happy to hire him. So what does that say about JJ? Uh, we will see. But it is the real menace. But they go to, they go to the scientist. <clears throat> that again... The, the, the pictures show that he's having fish walk, like a fish is on like a tree branch, and there's a rat swimming. How does? Yeah. He, how is he just chilling? People should know about him. Um. Yeah, he's not more famous than he is. Um. But this yeah. is this is the Marvel universe. I mean, you know, they got the Fantastic Four running around. So is that the most groundbreaking science? You know what? You're right. You know, when you got a guy that you know, bursts into flames and flies around, I guess a fish walking. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, a fish on a stick. What does that do? It's kind of de-evolution. That's what I mean. we were fishing on. Fish just walking at some point, right? Yeah, exactly. So, not the biggest deal, but the scientists they go to. We did, um, that is immediately after the scene where we do meet Ned Leeds for pretty much the first time. Mm -hmm. um, who is obviously a major character down the line in the Spider-Man books. But really, in this episode and in these issues, uh, starts to pose a threat to Peter and Betty, which I had thought that they were pretty much over. But mm -hmm. in these issues, it kind of seems like will they, won't they, and then they're over. Right. So I don't know. I'm curious to see when, in fact, it does actually like definitively end between them. Not there yet, apparently. But Ned Leeds, man, this <clears throat> poor guy. What a couple years he's about to have. I don't, I don't know decades. what you're talking about. He's just a love interest for Betty. I don't know. He's about to go on a wild ride. He's having some interesting times. But, uh, so yeah, they go to this scientist with the fish on the tree and the, the rat and the, or the mouse in the water. And JJ is basically like, hey, I hate Spider-Man. Let's make another Spider-Man mm -hmm. to kill him. Flawed right. logic. Makes no sense. I mean, you gotta, you gotta have, uh, if you're trying to kill a spider, you gotta have something to is able to kill a spider, and I'm sure Scorpion can kill a spider. Yeah. Scorpions might even kill a spider. And with almost, and you mentioned it earlier, with almost no hesitation, this guy's like, yeah, sure, you can shave my head and experiment on he's, me for... He's down the clown. He's like, let's get it. How much money does he offer him? 
I want to say it was 10k, which is a lot back then. $10,000 is a lot back then, yeah. It was. I'll pay you $10,000. My memory is... It's all those fish oils I'm taking, I'll tell you what. Okay. So, $10,000. Back then, comic book was 12 cents. Now it is $4. So, 10, whatever, 10000 like Quick math, I don't know. Times 10 what? times 4. 10000 times 10, 100, It's like multiple hundred thousand dollars, at least. Um, so, it is a sizable amount of money, which kind of reminds me, yes. Would you uh, shave your head and become a scorpion man for... Couple thousand, hundred thousand dollars. Uh, do I get superpowers? Well, you're become a scorpion man, yeah. Am I gonna go crazy like him? Well, you're saying he was already crazy, and I don't know if they're really. I don't think the serum is what, or whatever they the experiment, uh, is what made him crazy. They they do crazy. mention no. The doc says Did that they? the serum makes him evil. Oh yeah. Okay, I forgot that. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. Okay. Everything's yeah. coming back to me now. Because you know, scorpions are just inherently evil. Apparently. Well, I mean, he had a lot of testing done to him. Um. Then yeah, you do. Oh well, then no. Oh. If I could, if I could just get superpowers to just have superpowers, like I wouldn't hesitate. Well, you probably would do it for free then. Yeah, exactly. So. But then, then there's no, there's no. Yeah, but if you become evil, then you either die or go to jail, and you don't get to do anything with that money. So. Well, although. Current year, current year is scorpion dead or in jail. I have no idea. Exactly. But. But if we're talking about the real world, there's no superheroes. So would you really get caught, or would you get to get away with it? That's a whole different thing. Then it's would a, you want to get away with it? That's, that, th- then it's a whole, a whole moral dilemma. Not going to dive into that. I would say no. Tune in next episode. <clears throat> we spent an hour and a half discussing that one topic. Yeah, philosophical discussion. No. Um, so, okay, here's my problem with this book. Scorpion's origin is really freaking stupid. <laughs> it... <laughs> I cannot with you, dude. Are you kidding me? Like, Sandman's was like crazy good. Like the whole J. Jonah Jameson thing, hiring him is fine. Like that's cool, but literally this doctor just being like, "I'm going to give you the powers of a scorpion." He's like, "Your hands are pinchers now, except they look like normal hands." And here, I made a mechanical tail for you. Is dumb. Doctor Octopus's <clears throat> origin, Sandman's origin. So much cooler. So much better. The lizard is baller. Electro's origin, the Green Goblin's origin, all better. Scorpion's origin is I dumb. There's some weight to this, and he looks in these panels where he's bald and muscly. He looks like Crusher Hogan from the first issue. It is weird that they made him bald. And I will tell you one thing. I think we discussed this too. His tail is not. His tail is mechanic, which I, for whatever reason I forever always thought it was. I thought because I'm pretty sure at some point later he gets like fused Does with it. it. Oh, confused with it. Because yeah, it gets, and maybe I'm thinking of like one of the video games or something. But I swear I remember him like being bitter about it because it's like permanently fused to his body. Um, but yeah, in this, no, a, uh, it gets like a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, spike on it. Anyway, uh, before James made me cut out his mom calling him Dudley Wumpkins. Um, Scorpion's dumb, basically, is my point. He's, he's fine, but, like, in this issue, he's pretty dumb. Um, I disagree with you wholeheartedly, and I don't really know what your problem is, dude. I just... Are I, you, I'm just not... Are you cranky today? I'm just not interested in Scorpion. Like, when I'm reading this book, it doesn't interest me. And especially... So he's got his powers now, right? Peter pretty much figures out... Has he figured out that JJ was following him yet? Hmm. Um, I don't know if he figured out if JJ was following Oh, maybe he did. Uh, oh no! He goes to JJ, 
Hmm. <laughs> yes, he well, he, he did figure it out. Home. He did figure it out. Yeah. Did, yeah. So he goes to spy on JJ as Spider Man, and then dog cameo. Let's get it every episode. It's not getting cut out. It's going in. Uh, anyway, uh, then Scorpion attacks him right outside of the Daily Bugle, which should be the immediate hint that he's in the works with J. Jonah Jameson, but Spider-Man still doesn't figure that out. Whatever that's about. Um, but the reason, again, not only is Scorpion's origin dumb, but him as a villain is really dumb. Like, I'm talking Sandman levels of dumb, because this man attacks like Spider-Man. Well, Sandman's dumb, like, intellectually dumb. Right. This man well, I don't think he is. This man attacks Spider-Man, beats him, leaves him. Spider-Man recovers. But that's what they all goes do. and the fights him. Did that. The vulture He did beats that, like, him again and then leaves him again. Spider-Man and Scorpion fight what? 3 times in this issue. Scorpion beats him every time until the end and never decides to finish him off. He's like, "I'll leave him and finish him later." And then, of course, Spider-Man comes back again and ends up beating him. Scorpion is stupid. <clears throat> Both did it about 20 times. It was different, though, because they had, like, at least a motive that makes sense. But this is just, like, I'm going to go on a reign of terror because I'm crazy. But uh, throughout the fight scenes, I mean, this issue is a lot of fight scenes, so there's not much to talk about there. Um, we do see the Doctor kind of realizing that the serum is going to make him evil. So, so about the Doctor, I just need to mention the fact that this really hit me hard. Um, the doctor died. He did die. Which is... That's not the first death in the books. No, it's not, but it just became drawing because I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought he was going to get saved somehow. Or I mean, it's kind of entirely his fault, though. He wasn't going to fall off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but he got paid $10,000 as well. Well, he got paid. I'm saying he made Scorpion, and that's his fault, but he did it for the money. But then he goes after Scorpion and starts climbing a freaking building to try and get him oh, to take okay, the serum. Yeah. And then, shocker, he falls off the building and dies, which the most shocking part of this is that Spider-Man just, like, swings in a second later, and he's like, ah, too late for that guy. Anyway. And the doctor tried to, I think, I don't know if he purposely tried to throw the serum, but he threw the serum and completely missed the scorpion. Yeah. Smacks up against the, the building and just... He, he was trying to throw it at him, I think. Okay. Um... But yeah, now Scorpion's just full-on evil. He's like, I'm going on my reign of terror. I'm going to be a supervillain. Spider-Man does not care at all that this guy just fell to his death. Nope. Um, but he does go to stop Scorpion. And At first, J. Jonah was like, I can't believe this is going to happen again. I'm going to get embarrassed. And I also spent $20,000. And now, after this guy died and Scorpion's full-blown crazy, J. Jonah a little bit is like, I can't believe it. This is actually all my fault. He's no like, one knows it's and you would think that he would learn his lesson. No, it's just he's just like ah, another pl failed plan. I guess I'll go to the next next one. JJ just never learns his lesson. He always has a plot. It always goes wrong, and he's like humiliated again, and and the cycle goes round. Um, it kind of reminds me of I don't know if as a kid you ever watched the Pokemon show, but you know it's just Team Rocket. Everyone knows Team Rocket, right? Every episode of that show, Team Rocket shows up. They have some plan. They get foiled, and they're like, Team Rocket blasting off again or whatever. Mm -hmm. J. Jonah Jameson reminds me of Team Rocket because no matter how many times he fails, he's just always like, oh, I have the perfect plan now. It'll work. But what is this guy's motive even? Uh, I think we dive into it. We, we dove into it, but it was just more like 
his ego <clears throat> and the fact that he hates that Spider-Man's probably pretty much a better person than he is. Pretty much, yeah. It's kind of kind of jealousy. Like, yeah, it's just a weird. It's it's weird, but it does make sense, and I think it gets developed more down the line and like into the modern books. Um, he's obviously changed a lot. Spider-Man and Scorpion continue to fight again. Also, Scorpion is very strong. You don't like the Scorpion. He's really like grasping onto this building, and the building's like cracking from his head. Yeah, because he has pincher fingers. Yeah, and that's sick. That makes no sense. They didn't physically who's, change. How are they who's sharp? Who's your favorite villain? How Dr. how Octopus. are they sharp? They're still round fingers. Doctor Octopus. Doctor Octopus is cool. And so is the Scorpion. The Shocker. Shocker is like maybe top ten for me. Like he's not even that high up. But you like him a lot. I I like him, but he's not. It's like Carnage. And Dr. Octopus, like, I go back and forth on which of those would be my favorite. Carnage is sick, so you can't even say nothing about Carnage. No, I can't. Uh, I think I'd probably say he's my favorite just because growing up he was always my favorite. But I just, I don't know. I think in this comic book alone, basing it solely off of this story, like, if I'm reading this in the 60s and this is the only issue that I have to read of the Scorpion, I'm thinking the Scorpion is the lamest villain so far in the series, hands down. I don't know how you say that when there's... The enforcers. The enforcers are fun though. Like, the, but they're not though. Like, what's the who's the leader? The big man or whatever. He was cool. No, I like the big man, but he's not even the leader in the. I, I like the gang. You know, when he's fighting just like regular people. I don't know. Just super villain wise, Scorpion is weak. His costume is dumb. The the first Scorpion isn't version weak. of Scor his costume. His costume is sick as as heck. As heck. Okay. And his origin story awesome. Multi layered. I just don't see it. And he's pretty cool. <clears throat> I just don't see it. But and I don't I don't get the hate. I don't get the hate over here. Going into the climax of, of, of the of the issue. I almost said the movie. Um, Spider Man beats Scorpion, obviously rips off his tail and makes quick work of him. Uh, one thing that I think we both liked about this issue was that you actually see his costume get torn up a bit. Yep. Um, so you get a little bit of that battle worn look that is obviously very famous in the Raimi movies. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess he, he beats Scorpion. He goes to JJ, and he's like, "Hey, here's the Scorpion. Take him to the police." And JJ just totally gets away with his association with him. Um, and that's pretty much the end of the issue. It ends with him kind of sewing up his costume, and uh, Jameson is a hero because Scorpion is caught, pretty much. Right. Uh, now this so, is a scene without May. This is it. This is it. At the very end, no, there is a scene with Aunt May where she he's bruised and she's checking him out. She sure doesn't seem to think that he's Spider Man. But she knows he's Spider Man. But that's why he's so she's so worried because she knows this happened with the <clears throat> fight. Probably knows about the Scorpion and what happened earlier that day. That's why she's so worried. She literally says, "You know how fragile you are, though." Saying that, make sure you be careful because you're fragile. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Man, you are backwards. I just, I just don't like this issue. Uh, there is another pinup. Is, like that, is that pinup in your book? Um, damn, is it in my book? You don't have, don't, you don't have to check, but I'm not gonna check. No, but I think they're. Like again, I'm so confused. I don't know. I would have to check. Cause I know, that, I know, I have a book that doesn't have the pinup in it, and I don't <clears> know if it's the issue point. Okay. Uh, one letter at the back of this issue that I do want to point out before we move on to the next one. Uh, there was one letter where he says, I've been reading the letters about having Spider-Man join a team. I say having Spider-Man join a team is like having Jonah Jameson dating Aunt May. And that's the whole letter. 
So they did not want him to join a team. But also Jonah dating Aunt May, kind of close to something that happens down the line. Kind of close. A little bit. Um, but overall, how would you rate this issue 1 out of 10? What do you give it? I'd say 10.5. Okay. Um, I, I would give it a cool 7.5. That's pretty low for a book that you claim to love and defend so vehemently. I'm, I'm defending Scorpion as a whole, not okay. exactly just the Okay, yeah. I would rate this issue 4.5. You are crazy. <laughs> you gotta be cool in my life. I just... Because... I think that was lower than your original rating. Because... You the footage. The reason I just went with 4.5 now is because I think the lowest I've rated any book so far in the podcast is probably like a 6. And this is easily my, one of my least favorites in the series so far. So I feel like it has to be on the lower end of the spectrum. I can't, I literally <clears throat> can't grasp my head around why. It's just not that good. It's not that good. It's it, But it is tough. The only thing it has going for it is, oh, this new villain beats Spider-Man. But that's like happened issues. before, because guess who did it? Dr. Octopus did it first. Oh my god, everybody beats Spider-Man for 10 seconds, and then they leave him alone, and then he comes back. But Dr. Octopus did it first. Dr. Octopus is weird. He's a weird guy. Yeah, he's a villain. Of course he's weird. Like the, the... I'm sorry, Carnage is a serial killer. Like, we're not... Justifying these guys' personalities. Anyway. But you you liked issue 10 more than this? I did. I, I, issue 10 was pretty good. I did like issue 10 more than this. I'm just, I just... I just can't. I just... I gotta say it, you know? I mean... You like issues we're about to venture <clears throat> to next more than issue 20. Well, I haven't rated them yet. Because the next issue is kind of another stinker, in my opinion. This is issue 21. It is issue 21. This is featuring the Human Torch. Obviously, they've crossed over a lot. Once again. We're kind of sick of him. Uh, and then it has his villain, the Beetle. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, this issue's not good. It's a little. There's some elements of it that I did enjoy. Uh, but overall, it's obviously not an iconic issue. I mean, it's not one of those early first appearances or anything like that. It's just a crossover with Human Torch. I will say the one thing is I didn't know uh, that Beetle was not primarily a Spider-Man villain. I thought he was primarily a Spider-Man villain. Yeah, I thought and the same in, thing. In the Ultimate Comics, he might be just a Spider-Man villain. He's kind of become a Spider-Man villain because I yeah. think he was in this and that kind of crossed him over. Right. Um, but yeah, this references his first appearance in Strange Tales, which was a Human one, Torch two, title at the time. Um, but the Beetle... Is not interesting as a villain at all. I mean, he just gets out of jail and he's like, all right, I'm going to go attack Human Torch. Like, the motive just doesn't really make any sense. So that makes it a little less interesting, but... Almost like it's even way less of a motive than the Scorpion, but I don't see you here writing this book. Because the Beetle is not on an all-time greats list of Spider-Man villains. So I hold his first... At least my top seven. I I hold him to a slightly different standard than I hold the Scorpion's first appearance. Yeah, likely story. But, um... So this book... Oh, man, this book is frustrating to read. Genuinely. It really is. I mean, I like the Fantastic Four. I do like the Fantastic Four. Um, But I really want to stop seeing the Human Torch in these books. Uh, for a little bit. I mean, it's just kind of, uh, it's the same thing, but just a l- like a little bit topping itself each time. Like in, in the condensed issue, it starts out with once again Spider-Man just 
being very jealous of the Human Torch, and the Human Torch just kind of up, upstating him every single time they encounter each other. And people like Human Torch more than Spider-Man. He's kind of upset about that. Yeah. I mean, just kind of every issue that starts. But like I said, it, it kind of increases each time. Yeah. Um, it is interesting, like, to see, because as a, you know, in the year 2022, knowing that Spider-Man and Human Torch end up becoming very good friends... We're obviously seeing that relationship kind of work itself out. Um, I just didn't realize prior to starting this podcast how much the Human Torch was in these early issues. I mean, I'd obviously seen the covers and I knew the books and I knew the key issues, but it had never really occurred to me that he's in almost every other book. Yeah. And so he's really a, a recurring side character in the Spider-Man books, which is um And he's like really weird. in this. This, this. this book itself kind of has... It's not just the Human Torch like flamed on, like it's Human Torch, and some troubles with his with his girl, yeah, as well. You know? So it's proper it's, crossover. Yeah, proper crossover. It ties a bit deeper than the other ones. Yeah, which is nice. Which uh, it does. The one element, the one element of this book that I did enjoy, is the Human Torch's girlfriend. The right. whole like it's so corny but goofy and actually funny. It, it did I did genuinely kind of laugh a few times reading it. Um, I didn't care. I could care less about the beetle. So any of the fight scenes with the beetle, I did not care about. But when, uh, what's her name even? Dory. When Dory is giving Johnny crap, that's hilarious. When she ends up calling, well, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. But any of the scenes kind of making a joke out of her and and uh johnny i i did enjoy those also her kind of having the hots for peter a little he's such he's such or like what she says she's like oh this is my chance to try to make uh johnny more of a gentleman like that nice refined peter parker oh yeah so i guess to to summarize hot, but she's like she likes some of his she uh, thinks he's a gentleman um so we kind of jumped around a little bit to summarize what's happening in the story basically johnny storm has this girl dory that he is dating courting whatever i don't know what they are um and basically she is mad at him for always being human torch she's telling him you need to not be human torch for 24 hours you just need to be johnny storm i just want my regular boyfriend whatever and so they have this argument, and he agrees. He says, okay, I won't be Human Torch for 24 hours. And the Beetle overhears this. And so his master plan is, of course, to attack her and use her as, like, bait to lure out Johnny and do that thing. Um, and then what we were just referencing, Dory runs into Peter Parker on the street, and he, being the gentleman that he is, ladies' man that he is, more like, uh, offers to help her carry her stuff and pick it up and then he, she leaves her wallet, and he takes it to her house, and she offers him a Coca-Cola. Again, I don't know if these, they were sponsored back then, but... Yeah, I don't know. It, it just felt weird to me. I mean, she walks out, she's like, let me fix you a glass of Coke. Like, I think we talked about it when we first reported this, if, if that's the thing that actually happened back then. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, like, is that actual social activity in the 60s? Like, here, come in for a glass of Coke, and they just sit down and drink their Coke and then leave, like... You would not do that nowadays. At least I wouldn't do that nowadays. I don't even open the door when people ring my doorbell. Just... You say, leave the package on the ground and just hide behind the door. Um, so that's some some uh, some old 60s socializing. And Johnny sees Peter leaving and gets all jealous. Right. Which And Betty you know. sees that whole thing as well. And so Betty, once again, with her usual routine of... 
he likes some other girl, yada yada yada. And then Peter gets very mad at the uh, human matchstick and crushes some concrete with his hand. Yep, yep. Johnny thinks that it's a good idea to show up in costume and try to intimidate Peter. And Betty does her usual thing, like you said, and just starts crying about it. I just, I'm getting real sick of the Betty Peter shtick. Like, y'all just need to learn to communicate. They're terrible at it. I know. But, uh, yeah, so that, that ultimate angers Peter, and you actually see Peter get really mad at Johnny. Um, and so they're they're not getting along at all. But uh, Peter, also not being very smart. This issue really reminds you that both of these characters are teenagers because neither of them is very smart. Because I feel like this is, in this world would be something a teenager would do. It, yeah, it, it adds up. It adds awesome. up. <clears throat> Peter decides, oh, well, Johnny doesn't like... Peter Parker flirting with his girl? Well, maybe Spider-Man should go flirt with his girl. So he dresses up, and he goes to her house. Alas, the Beatle has some plans for uh, Dory as well. So the Beatle's just waiting at, at Dory's house for the Human Torch. Now, is that, that's what his big plan is? Yeah, the Beatle was waiting. Yeah, he's waiting, yeah. But then Spider-Man shows up, and a fight riles up with the two of them. Yep. Which is is very good because it would have been awful if Peter tried to go in and flirt a Spider Man because that would have been just awkward as right, everything. Weird. So the Beetlein and Spider Man are fighting, and Dory sees this and she calls up uh, Human Torch and pretty much says like You need to get over here. The Beetle and Spider Man are fighting on my my front lawn, which is a crazy thing to think about being in that situation looking out your window. And uh, Johnny's pretty much just like. You're not going to get me to be the Human Torch. I'm laying on my couch. <laughs> Stop with that. Someone's going to trick me. It's not funny. It Click. is my favorite scene in the whole issue. Literally just, yeah, he's like, you're not going to get me like that. And she's like, no, I'm genuinely serious. Uh, that's this hilarious. Good old Dory. I always did like a guy with a sense of humor, and he is cheesing, bro. <laughs> Hands back. <laughs> Meanwhile, things are just... Abs- like the fight is absolutely breaking out. Meanwhile, <laughs> there's a human robot beetle and, and a spider guy fighting on our on our front lawn, and then breaking into her house and fighting through yeah. her house. Through the house. Yeah. Um. So ultimately, Johnny decides to go visit anyway, as Johnny Storm, but too late to rescue her because the beetle takes her, and Spider-Man goes after the beetle. Now, we have learned that Peter has bad communication skills through his interactions with Betty. But never is that on more display than in this scene with Johnny Storm. Because, oh my gosh, these guys need to learn how to talk to each other. Johnny goes to Dory's house and obviously finds the chaos left behind. And the webbing left by Spider-Man. And is like, Spider-Man must have kidnapped her. So, the Human Torch is literally following Spider-Man, throwing fireballs at him, trying to like kill him. And instead of being like, hey, listen, this is what's going on, he just... Spider-Man's continuing to egg Johnny on. Taunting him, fighting him, doesn't say anything about Dory, doesn't say anything about the Beetle. All he has to say is, hey, the Beetle took Dory, he's this way. But instead, he's just making fun of him and taunting him and bickering with him. And so they fight, of course, allowing the Beetle to get further away. And it takes a solid while before Johnny realizes that the beetle has dory and spider-man's immediate reply is well that's what i've been trying to tell you no you haven't not once have you tried to tell him not once 
That's incredible. I really hope Stan, I'm sure he did, like, realize what he was doing with that whole thing and, like, which is really making Peter kind of an ass. I assume it's intentional. Oh, it has to be. I mean, they're teenagers. They're bickering teenagers. They've always kind of had a brother dynamic, right? But, man, oh, man, it's just like, all you have to do is say, he's over here. But instead, they're fighting each other. And then they realize that the beetle has Dory. And now, when they both go to try and fight the beetle, they're just getting in each other's way the whole time. Not able to work together at all. And it just almost allows the beetle to get away. They work together for about a split second where they both pretty much kick the beetle in the face. And then love him up. Yeah. Like, as soon as they are able to work together, they beat him instantly, obviously. And after the beetle's webbed up, Dory's like, you know, hugging hugging Johnny and stuff. And she's like, aren't you going to do something about that, that evil Spider-Man over there? Yeah. You know, the so, guy that was trying to protect you. Classic loves Peter, hates Spider-Man. Yeah. The moral of this classic, story. classic Spider-Man getting a bad rap. Like he, he was there protecting her from Beetle, and she's like, "Oh, he's terrible." Uh, but Johnny's continuing to be like, "I don't know. I feel like Spidey's a good guy. Like he, you can tell that he kind of does think he's a good guy, but for some reason, he's just never able to uh, to get along with him." Uh, the one line I love from Johnny, it's actually a thought bubble. He says, I could understand if she fell for a guy like Spidey, but that Peter Parker guy, I just don't get it. So, so a little bit of irony there, of course. Um, but that's pretty much the end of this issue. I don't really think there's a lot to discuss for that one. No, another pinup. Another pinup. Uh, another kind of a filler issue, just fill in the gaps between the major story events. Um, where would you rate that one on a scale of 10? Uh... <clears throat> Five and a half. Five and a half. See, you gave me so much crap for a four and a half, and you're going to do five and a half. Because it was the origin of one of the most popular villains in Marvel, or Spider-Man. Exactly. All the more reason to be critical of it. Anyway, I rate this one 5.0. I'm going to throw my almond book somehow through my screen at you. What if this one is not good? What's wrong with a 5.0 on this? Because you just you just said, oh my god, I can't believe you rated it a 5.0. Well, because you gave me uh, sass for my 4.5, so I thought it was <laughs> that deserved. That was ridiculous. Well, I said it, and I rated it lower than this issue, so I stand by that. This one was at least a little bit of fun. A little funny, right? 20 had nothing going for it. But this guy. This moving guy. on, past the, uh, the riffraff, issue 21. What about this another next riffraff. issue? Kind of, kind of another filler issue, although... And I remember when we discussed about this the first time, when we recorded this episode the first time. This issue is freaking hilarious. Yeah, it's like actually funny. It's so hilarious. I do have this issue. A little bit low grade, but I never really cared about this. Like, I remember I picked it up, I think, at a convention and just kind of had it. Now that I've read it, I actually appreciate having this book so much more because Mm -hmm. it's so funny. It's so funny. I gotta get an issue 22 again. I used to have one, but I traded it for, like, one of the other early issues I have. Right. I remember that, actually. Um, so, diving into this book, I had no memory of who the actual villain of this book was. Like, I, I mean, you look at the cover and you see the clown and his Masters of Menace. I didn't know what was going on in this book until I started reading it and realized it's actually the return of the Ringmaster, who was the villain in issue 16. He led that carnival, uh, the crossover with Daredevil. Uh, he's back. At least it seems like he's back. 
I hate that guy. Don't don't like Actually, the remaster. I do really like the cover with Spider-Man Shadow in it, like the, the Spider Signal. I think it's pretty cool. It is, yeah. It's it was like some cooler characters in. That's other than them. yeah. I think it would be a classic cover. That's the only thing that I always thought the cover was a little underwhelming because I didn't really care about any of the characters on it. Um, but this book kind of the pacing of this book is weird because it just jumps right into it with Spider-Man having found the Ringmaster and his crew jumping in on them and basically being like, Ringmaster, you're not going to get away with this. I've caught you. And he's like, hey, I'm not doing anything. I'm innocent. Um, and basically it was all a ploy for Spider-Man to leave a tracer on his hat. Yes. And with that, the whole gang is like, I'm done with this guy. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Which makes no sense. Um, and in busts in what's her name princess python is that princess name? python now and pretty much blows smoke in the master's face quite literally and then says we need a new leader everyone agrees my favorite my second favorite part of this issue okay i'm getting ahead of myself i flipped the page am I? It, it is in this this scene we're going live they pretty much fight the ringmaster Oh no! Okay, before that, yes, what happened? Literally before the fight, even Princess Python's like, okay, you know what? You know who needs to be the leader of the squad? The, the clown. clown. The clown. The clown in the corner. He's a real leader material. Oh, this scene is not so you. funny because not, you, not like anybody else but the clown on the unicycle. I'm gonna get on my soapbox for a second here. Yeah. Princess Python is the real villain of this issue. And I can't help but feel like the reason she's not actually the leader of the villains in this issue is because she's a woman. Not calling Stan Lee sexist, but this is the 60s. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. But she, And maybe he wrote it intentionally this way to have her kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes. But she comes into the scene immediately, like, takes a dominant presence in the room, right? Yeah. Like, she's obviously controlling the conversation. They're all kind of looking to her. And she's like, ringmaster's out. Everyone agrees, you're out. We need a new leader. And I was just waiting for her to say, and it's going to be me. So when I tell you I laughed out loud for a solid minute when she's like, the clown. <laughs> the clown. Away. And it just shows a smiling clown juggling some balls like, aha, that's me. Makes zero sense whatsoever. Like this guy had <laughs> one, one bit of dialogue before he was elected leader. He, he said basically nothing. Yeah. And he's just elected the leader. And the clown is just my favorite character in this book. He's so funny. I mean, yeah. he, he has my favorite part of this whole book uh, later on. But then afterwards, they start fighting uh, the ringmaster, and he gets his butt whooped by everybody. Yeah, they just beat him up. In every single panel that the clown is in, he is juggling. I love that. I just yep. think that they're just having conversation, and he's just sitting there juggling for no reason whatsoever. Um, but it's decided Ringmaster's out, Clown's the leader. Obviously, Spider-Man's tracer does not help him now because he's tracing the Ringmaster, who's not a part of this group. Um, so that worked out perfectly for them. And um, then it cuts over to Peter in school. Uh, Liz is doing a little bit more flirting with him. Right. Waiting for... When does she give up on that? Like, when does that happen? I guess we'll find out, but I don't even know. Yeah. Um, and then Betty's here. Now... Again, I thought they were over every single issue. 
She keeps on coming back. Um, but now he's able to, they finally learn how to talk. And he's able to explain that he is not going after Johnny Storm's girlfriend. Um, and she's immediately like, oh, okay, cool, then we're fine. And they get along. And then we go to the greatest, the greatest scene of probably this episode. Yes. J. Jonah Jameson's Art Museum. Oh, what an art museum it is. Some... Let's take a look at the paintings, shall we? Let's run through some of the art that we have in this in this Let's do it. art museum. First, First off, go ahead. Everybody loving these paintings. There's some thought bubbles of what may be a random man saying, "Boy, I wish I could uh, paint draw feet like that." Draw feet like what? Have you? It is a sock with a toe sticking out of it. Yep, it is a painting, a large painting, probably the height of a person. Now, of a foot. Further. Furthermore, in front of him, I just noticed this as I'm looking at it. Stick figure. There is literally a stick figure. There, there's a stick figure in the background. Go to the next panel. There is a finger with a band-aid around it. <laughs> and what an art piece it is. I just love the idea that they were like, hey, Steve, we're at an art gallery, so you got to have some paintings in the background. And he was like, okay, what would be art? A foot. Foot with a toe sticking out, stick figure. Which must have been so fun for him to draw. Yeah. And then, I do like that Peter comes in and he's like, this stuff is art, I'm glad I'm a science major. At least he sees He, he sees, sees it that. for what it is. Now, uh, I will say, Wilson, Wilson Fisk would come in here and be in shock. <laughs> he would love what he sees going on. He would buy the, the foot. I think he would he buy would the stare, foot. He would, no, he would stare at that stick figure painting like his life depended on it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this is obviously J. Jonah Jameson's art exhibit. These issues have really reminded me that he's like a millionaire. Um, yeah. Obviously paying the people for Scorpion and now throwing an art exhibit. Um, but this happens to be the art exhibit that the, uh, what are they called? The Masters of Crime or something like that? Oh, that's thing. Skip past their amazing name. Uh... Let's see, where was it? Uh... Or is that afterward? It might have been after. It might have been after they got away. Well, yeah, this this band of uh, circus freaks, basically, uh, they use this guy with a metal head as a battering ram. They pick him right up. And then the brilliant plan, masterminded by our fearless leader, the clown, he rides into the art exhibit on a unicycle, juggling, <laughs> and just starts putting on a show. He's like almost running over people. He's like, oh, we're getting some skin suspicious. I got to keep the crowd back. And he literally says out loud, stay back, folks. Think how embarrassing it would, would be to get run over by a unicycle. He's, he's literally corralling them on a unicycle. He's like, if you get run over by this unicycle right now, you're going to feel so like dumb. Yeah. You're going to look like a fool. Everyone's going to laugh at you. So I'd step back. And... The only person who suspects anything is JJ, and Peter kind of sees him backing up a little bit. Um, and JJ gets knocked the F out. By Cannonball Head, or whatever his name is. Yeah, Cannonball. He hits him over the head with his metal head. JJ oh. gets conked. Peter and Betty show up just in time to see them running off with the art. And JJ's yep. injured. Um, so, Peter obviously recognizes these people. He knows that they were the ones working with Ringmaster. He wants to... He's going to go and track him down. Well, his spider tracer is not going to lead him to them. It's going to lead him to the ringmaster. Yep. Who is at the police station? Snitching. Not really. I don't really know what he's doing, but he's not under arrest. 
and he's not doing any crimes. So Peter, well, the police I think called him in to, to question him about what's going on. <laughs> That's right, and he's just There's like, I don't know what's going on because I got ousted from them, um, which is a weird thing to admit to the police. But uh, Peter, now this, in my opinion, is weird. Yeah, breaks into this man's home, takes his hat, and hypnotizes him. What are you gonna do? That's a bit, a bit much. An innocent guy doing? hasn't done anything. Well, I guess he has the, he's, he's paid his, he did his time, right? And you're just going to hypnotize him and leave him there for hours. Right. I mean, <laughs> I deserved, he, he was, he was, he was and ready to do some more crime. So honestly, my class would be cleared. I guess. You gotta do what you gotta do. Um, he finds out where they might be hiding. He finds out, yeah. The big band of, uh. Circus freaks. And this he, is okay. This is when they think about their name. They do, yeah. And this also, he does call Betty at the hospital to check on JJ, and she's like, "Oh, that person's voice was muffled behind a mask, so she doesn't quite figure out who it is." But uh, yeah, we get their name: the Masters of Menace. Masters of Menace. That's that's an okay name. But the name for the whole team, like the Avengers or something, huh, Clown? Yeah. Uh, also worth noting. Oh, yeah. Okay. So how about the Carnival Champs or the Big Toppers? I think the Big Toppers would have been great. The Big Toppers. I don't know what that was intended to mean. I don't know. But I mean, with modern slang, it does not hold up. And, that, and that's all I'm going to say on the topic. The Big Toppers would have been absolutely amazing. Um. Also worth noting, it is Princess Python who does come up with the name. Again, she's the freaking leader. I mean, she's clearly the main villain here. She's pulling the things in the back that doesn't want kind of like, you know, if they get caught, maybe, you know, hey. I guess. He's the leader. Yeah. Clown's the leader. Go fuck the clown. Don't blame it all on the clown, man. I don't think he has one license to ride that unicycle. You better check that out. Uh, But Spider-Man does find them. He shows up. Uh, there's a fight scene. Not much to discuss here. Typical Steve Ditko art, kind of panel to panel, fighting the different characters. The clown still riding his unicycle. It's got to be hard to fight on a unicycle, so let's give him some credit. Let's give him some credit for where it's due there. Um, but the really important thing about this scene is Princess Python um, basically using her womanhood to get the upper hand on Spider-Man. In the sense of, he won't hit a woman, pretty much. At least at this moment. <clears throat> at this moment in time, which I think we talked about the first time we recorded this. Nowadays, he obviously hits women that are supervillains. Because I think that's fine if they're supervillains, but back in the 60s, no, no, no. He can't hit a woman. So at least it's chivalry and not sexism. But... She uses this to get the upper hand on him, basically. He won't hit her, so she's, like, using that to get advantage. And pushes him into a room with a giant snake. She's interesting. First off, doesn't look like a python. <laughs> she says python. I'm pretty sure it looks like an anaconda. What? Well, it doesn't really look like any snake, but it's more resembling an it's anaconda. Some type of serpent. Now, this poor snake, man. That's what I also said. I mean... I don't like snakes, but it is an innocent animal. And this man ties it in a freaking knot. That's gotta hurt, right? 
No, they. I don't. You can't even tie a snake. Well, you probably could tie a snake in a knot, but it's probably not gonna stay like that forever. I mean, he he like double knots that thing. So it's definitely abuse. It it is. Spider Man abuses animals in this issue. Confirmed. I wouldn't do it to my snake. Let me just say that. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it's a giant snake trying to eat you, I guess it's a little justified. But yeah, then who cares? I'm a giant snake trying to eat you. Yeah. Kind of thing I'm not. Yeah. So he ties him in a knot and then chases yeah, after Princess Python, uh, and then everyone just gets the karma that's coming to them because the ringmaster shows up to conk the clown over the back of the head. Poor clown. Uh, I really hope he comes back. I have no idea if the clown ever comes back in another Spider-Man comic book. I really want him to come back. I hope he gets his uh, own Sony live-action movie. Honestly, wouldn't surprise me. Get that trending on Twitter, and we'll make it happen. Um, but no, the ringmaster hits the clown over the head, and then the ringmaster gets caught by the police with the stolen art. Clown gets caught by the police because he's knocked out, and then Princess Python runs out straight into the police and gets caught by them. So Spider-Man kind of doesn't catch any of them. But they all got caught. They all got caught because of his interference. Um, and I think he actually called the police, so... Mm-hmm. He did save the day, but this is, again, this issue ends with him talking to Aunt May, and she is mad at him because he came home late and he didn't call. This is really important. Very important. Because this moment leads into, I think, the next issue. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. I got it under control. This leads into the next issue. My favorite moment in this entire episode. Oh, yeah. So we'll get to that moment when we get there. But just remember that Aunt May is mad that he did not call and he's home late. Because that is very important. She's so worried about him being Spider-Man. And Uh, now she's trying to put into perspective, hey, you're out being Spider-Man. I'm worried about you. You If you're going to come home late because you're being Spider-Man, I need you to check in. I don't know about that. I think I it's mean, more it's like she's it's worried like, about a teenager being out at night. As Spider-Man at night. So you need to call and check in. And he said, listen, I'm just running late. Don't worry about the news that you're seeing on, on the telly. Where do you rate this issue out of 10? <laughs> I'm not like getting into this Aunt May discussion again. It's like a 5, 5.5. I rate it a 7. You're crazy. Only because... The clown carries this issue. He did. I hope. I do hope he comes back. Everybody else can kick rocks. I hope clown comes back. The clown is hilarious. I love him. I love that he's the leader for absolutely no reason. He's not qualified at all. I love that his master plan is just to put on a show in the art exhibit. It's great. I love how his name is the clown. Yeah. No. Nothing. You know. Not the clown of terror or whatever. Like just the clown. He's perfect. I love him. Leader of the big toppers. The clown, fearless leader of big Uh, toppers. But going from there, we dive into the second to last issue in this episode. Uh, Probably the one that we were both looking forward to the most. I mean, obviously you were looking forward to 20. I was looking forward to 24. Uh, 23 is the return of the Green Goblin. Is it his third appearance now? Yes. And this is when his motive starts to make a little bit more sense. I say a little bit. Watch what you say. It doesn't make a lot of sense. On this podcast. <clears throat> now. 23. I will really talk about what I talked about last time real quick. Okay. The tagline, the goblin and the gangster, 
is something that resonates with me. I love it. I think it's it's beautiful. Uh, the splash page is actually my uh, phone background or my like phone uh, home screen. Um, there it is. That's my phone home screen. I think it's actually a picture of a comic. Like I took a picture. Like, I don't. I don't remember. Um, I love it. I think it's great. What I'm gonna say before we dive into this issue, I love this issue. Green Goblin's awesome. It has one of my favorite moments from all of the comics we've read so far. But I I did not hesitate to criticize Scorpion. I am not going to hesitate to criticize how freaking dumb the Green Goblin's plan in this book is. Oh my god. I, I, I wish I could put hands on internet people sometimes. This is one, one, this is one, this is one of the times. It's a dumb Dude. plan. Dude, Doc Ock had... Five other. I don't deny guns. that that was a dumb plan. Five other super villains, and he said, "Let's fight them like one by one, like, style, like like a, like a, like." A, hey, a WWE man. I was the first one to say that that was also a dumb plan in that comic book, but that does not negate the fact that Green Goblin's logic in this book is stupid. And to kind of dive into it and give the overall summary, his plan, right, is to go to this mob of gangsters, and he says, "Hey." I'm in charge now. The leader of the gangsters goes. No. He's not saying the clown's <clears throat> in charge now. You're he right. Says, I'm in charge now. He says I'm in charge, and the leader of this gang goes, "No, you're not. Get out of here." Um, and he so they fight, and Spider-Man, or no, Green Goblin leaves, and he kind of goes over a little bit of his motive. Right? He wants to become the the what the the Green Goblin King of Crime, Crime. which is kind of his recurring motive. Like, he wants to become the King of Crime in New York. I mean, great idea. Yeah, it's cool. I'm down with it. But it doesn't work the first time around, right? Going in and just saying, hey, I'm in charge, didn't work. So he goes back. Now, before we get there, there is a scene that we are going to talk about because you've been really pushing this Aunt May theory. If ever there was a point where I would maybe agree with you, it is this issue because Peter oh, leaves. It. it is this one. Peter leaves his Spider-Man costume hanging up in the attic. Oh no! It was it was, it was the last episode. I remember. That. Sorry. That was when it was in the trash. It was yeah, it was in like the laundry bin or something. In this one, he leaves it in the attic, and I feel like there's definitely a chance that she would see it up there. Sure. So I will leave that open as as a possibility. She's like, I need to get my china. Yeah. Whatever. You know, Peter P's not here. I feel it myself. Yeah. Um, I'd like to go back and point something out, though, just because for my love for Green Goblin. First off, I, again, I love the whole mobster stuff. I love that. I love the gang. Like, again, I love the Goblin gangsters. Mm-hmm. They call him. They say, you must be nuts, Goblin. That's incredible. He's standing there in front of this whole crowd, and they're pretty much making fun of his costume. Two things. So the glider, at this point, he can stand <coughs> on it while it's on the ground, it seems. Yeah. As well as it has a little handle in the front. Where? Look at splash page. Splash page. Oh, I see. Yeah, to like kind of hold it in the middle. Yeah. Interesting. Just Interesting cha- changing the layout a little bit. It's nice. It's nice. And it, it, also, you can see that there must be growth within his own technology throughout the series. <clears> because <throat> the glass is bigger. <clears throat> Andy does have... Some more gadgets in this. He has his pumpkin bombs, which is this the first time he has pumpkin bombs? No, he hasn't in 6 or 17. I thought he was like throwing frogs and stuff back then. 
He was, but I think there was pumpkin bombs in there, too. Okay, well, he starts to have pumpkin bombs a little bit more. He has the sparks out of his finger, uh, a lot of the typical goblin gadgets that we've still never really seen in the movies. That's the one thing that I think I wish the movies had done is had a little bit more of his gadgets because, I mean... Yeah, they never they really had anything past pumpkin bombs. Pumpkin bombs, which is his iconic one, but I, I like the sparks and everything like that. Um, obviously, Willem Dafoe was the perfect Green Goblin, but I just wish but, they, yeah, they would have had a little bit more of that. Willem Dafoe was lighter with the rockets and the, and the bullets and stuff. So I mean, that kind of... Yeah, they, they, I, I guess it would have been really corny, but it just would have been cool to see. Um... The other kind of subplot happening in this book is Peter seeing the letter from Ned Leeds on Betty's desk and being like, oh, she's still talking to that Ned Leeds guy? Could not care less. Nope. I am not invested in Betty and Peter anymore. They had their chance. It's over. Um, but the main story, of course, is obviously around Green Goblin. So skipping over the Betty drama, not that important. Green Goblin returns to a informant from that gang. Yep who is like, he's snitching. And so Green Goblin is going to basically turn this information over to the police. He's snitching. Here is why I say this is a dumb plan. Because as we see later in the issue, it does not work out the way Green Goblin wants it to. And we'll get there. Um, Let me me get five of the most dangerous villains of this guy. Let me just not, let's not fight them together. Let's just one by one. One other thing to mention for this issue, there's a lot going on in this issue. There's the Betty Branton at Leeds thing, there's Green Goblin with the mob, and then uh, Foswell is back. The big Foswell. man. Foswell. The big man. The big man, who was the, the villain in issue 10. Uh, so he's returning now in issue 23, and J. Jonah Jameson has hired him again to be a reporter. Right. So they kind of want you to think that he's corrupt. Right. Obviously. Um... How did you feel about seeing him back? Because I know you like the big man. I like the big man. Do I like Foswell? I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I wish he kind of stayed bad. and we, I don't know if maybe he goes bad again. Maybe. I have no idea. Um, but I like the big man. I like the name the big man. I like the big man in general. Oswald's all right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely... I, I kind of wish he stayed bad. Instead yeah. of like... Because I feel like the big man had a very like... I mean, he's the big man. You don't see the big man be like, hey, please have my job back. It's like, no. He's like, I'm going to go... You know, break his legs, mind. you know. I'm gonna go yeah, I'm gonna go break <clears throat> everyone's legs that I see. He's sleeping with the fishes. Some, someone's sleeping with the fishes and it's gonna be whoever he deems necessary. Yeah. Uh not hey. But that is kind of what they want you to think, is he's coming back and they're going, Oh, is he still bad? Like Peter suspects him and the readers are meant to suspect him. Uh pretty much from the get go, reading it, I was like, I'm pretty sure that he's not gonna be bad. Um, but one thing to note is Green Goblin gets the information about the gang. It then gets turned into J. Jonah Jameson from Foswell. So Foswell is Green Goblin's informant? Or they have some some sort of connection there. Like, obviously, somehow Green Goblin got it in the hands of Foswell, so there is some connection there. I don't think we... Foswell and Green Goblin work together. The big man Green Goblin, I want to see that comic. I think it's happening. I think it might be happening. Um, We'll have to get into next episode and see because they they don't really resolve it in this issue. They kind of leave that mystery hanging. Oh, wait. Yeah, okay. Um, But the police go and and go to stop this mob, and the Green Goblin's there to make sure none of them get away. Um, And Spider-Man sees the Green Goblin fighting these mobsters. Now, this part was really jarring to read because him being like, oh, Green Goblin must be wanting to be a hero now. Like, let me help him. 
is crazy to read knowing the history. Like, obviously, Green Goblin ends up becoming Spider-Man's nemesis, right? Like, pure evil. So seeing a Spider-Man that is so inexperienced with him, so naive and young, to think that he might be good mm-hmm. was, like, shocking for me. <clears throat> there was a lot of really, uh, I think I said this is the first time, classic <sighs> Green Goblin Spider-Man stuff in this, too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just like panels and stuff. Yeah, I love the panel of him flying through the window, and he's crouched over his glider, and he just I tosses two pumpkin bombs. bombs. It's just a classic pose. It reminds me so much of the '60s animated show, where he would sit yeah. on his uh, glider and fly around. Um, his ears are so big in this costume. And his eyelashes are crazy. Yeah, he's got that Maybelline. There's even like Spider-Man once again in the water tower. There's so many water towers. Always a water tower. Album. That's classic. Uh, and yeah, so he's like, all right, I'm going to help Green Goblin. And Green Goblin's like, oh, sweet, Spider-Man's here. I'm going to leave. Um, so Spider-Man's kind of confused by that. And now we have my favorite scene in this entire episode. Spider-Man, in the middle of this fight, goes into a side room and closes the door. He sits down on the desk, picks up the phone, and he dials Aunt May to call her and let her know that he's going to be late tonight. I would love to see a live-action adaptation of this scene because it would be so funny. Yeah, you can definitely see that with Tom Holland, too. Yeah. Like, pull it off pretty well. Yeah, Tom Holland would totally pull it off, except for, you know, the awkward part where, spoiler alert, Aunt May is dead. Um, But they could do it with someone else. Maybe. Eh, I don't know. But it's just hilarious to me. The thought of, like, you hear these mobsters banging on the door, and he's just sitting there on the desk like, Hey, Aunt May, just checking in. Like, you know, how you doing? I'm going to be home late. It's so funny, and he, there's literally a panel of him with his like legs crossed and his mask half up, and he's just he's just sitting all nice and just doing his thing. It's hilarious. I love it. And even Aunt May's like reaction to herself, like, <clears throat> the dear boy, no matter what he's doing, he hardly ever forgets to call his Aunt May. Yeah, she's like, oh, good for him. And then he's like, all right, let me go back to fighting these mobsters, I guess. And that he, panel though, he's just sitting there, so classic, like. It's just sitting there cross-legged on the phone, just just chilling. Um, and he lays a web net that catches most of the mobsters, and they kind of get away. And he ends up stopping them, and then he goes and fights Green Goblin. Um, and they have a, a pretty classic Spider-Man Green Goblin fight. Yeah, again, like it, there's a lot of classic stuff that goes on in this issue. I think this might, I'm not 100% sure, but the first time he calls him Gobby. Might be. Might be. Might be. Up here. Um... They're in some type of facility. Amazing artwork, obviously. Amazing uh, ink. A lot of yellow and orange colors. There's a lot of uh, just plain backgrounds, but, you know, Green Goblin using his like webs against Spider-Man was pretty cool. Yeah, they definitely... This fight, you really see how evenly matched they are. Because yeah. every other fight, it's always like either Spider-Man just makes a mistake and gets beaten, or he just absolutely destroys the other person he's fighting. Whereas, like, Dr. Octopus was one villain where they were pretty evenly matched, but then Spider-Man ends up getting the upper hand. Green Goblin, he just cannot beat in a fight. I mean, he's like, oh, let me use my web, and Green Goblin burns it with his sparks. And he tries, you know, he tries grabbing his glider, and Green Goblin has a gadget for that. Like, it seems like he's prepared for everything, and they're really matched as nemesis. Well, they both, and this may be the, well, that's not, actually not true, but it is one of the only, like, super enhanced people he's fought so far mm-hmm. like it's been him scorpion i guess sandman i guess okay maybe there's a lot kind of sandman but not really 
scorpion, lizard. It's 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 not just that Green Goblin is enhanced. Like they're they're equal physically. And intelligence wise. But then he's also very intelligent. That's the big difference, is that Green Goblin is smart and he has a plan for everything. Um and so I think that really I, I really like this fight. This is probably my favorite fight between Green Goblin and Spider-Man so far. Uh, just because 14 was kind of weird with everything going on with Hulk and Enforces and all that. 17, you know, you had uh, Human Torch there and that, that whole thing. Whereas this fight is genuinely just them fighting and Green Goblin getting the upper hand and getting away pretty easily. Um, now, there is the shot where Spider-Man jumps after him and for about six panels, he, he grabs a light lamppost and then oh he falls from that and then he grabs a pole and tries to jump over here and then he misses that and grabs a water tower he is just he is not together right now yeah he's all over the place um but this is my chance to point out green goblin he gets home and he sees that the entire gang has been arrested and he's like my plan has failed how am i supposed to take over this gang if they're all arrested and that is why his plan is stupid. Listen, we all have silly plans sometimes. Um, he makes up for it later in the in the coming years. He does. And, I mean, I guess the point of this is to point out that the plan was foiled because Spider-Man showed up. Because he had planned for some gangsters to be able to get away. And that's why this whole thing is... This is making this insane Goblin Man obsess over... Spider-Man, this is like, this is what's happening. Like, he keeps foiling, he keeps getting in his way. This is the obsession that starts to build. I still think it was a dumb plan, though. No, but I'm saying story-wise, this is why yes. yeah. the Green Goblin becomes such a big problem in Peter Parker's Spider-Man's life. Up until now, he's mostly just been like, oh, I'll go mess with that Spider-Man guy. Kind of get what I want more than not. Yeah, now it becomes personal. Right. Um... Okay. um it's it's pretty cool. That's pretty much yeah. So that that pretty much ends the the issue. And Green Goblin's gonna be coming back next episode. Um, so we'll see kind of where that continues. It's obviously the story is not done yet. Um, but the the issue kind of ends with Peter seeing Foswell at the Daily Bugle and talking with Betty a little bit, and he ends up going home. Um, and Aunt May is bringing up Mrs. Watson again. Whoever that. Whoever this Watson girl is, I mean, She's gotta be ugly, dude. I don't know, dude. Straight out of a horror movie, according to to Peter, is yeah. what he said. Um, and that's the fit uh, goes hard here, though. The fit goes hard, and I do think it's <laughs> funny. We've we've talked about this before. I don't know if we talked about it when we shot this the first time, or if this was in a past episode. So if we are repeating ourselves, I'm sorry. But it seems like so many issues just end with like the oh, like Peter like leaning on his hand just like oh poor Peter can never have anything go right which just fits the whole like down on his luck vibe I don't know I, I got to say man you know the 616 Spider-Man and the Peter Parker that's inside the comics and these issues and even now he's so much different than what we have gotten in like almost a lot of the and I actually really like this like the original Peter yeah um, and I could see that if I was a teenager reading these for the first time as they came out, like I would really connect or really attach myself to this guy. And that, that is why he blew up. I mean, right, exactly. he was relatable. And that's why I think it is weird that we've never really had a true to the original adaptation of it. Because he's kind of an asshole. So if you, you 
but it but it works though like it makes it sense that a teenager with superpowers would do all of these like he would be arrogant he would be selfish and we get to see him learn those lessons as he goes the most we saw that i guess was the first amazing spider-man yeah that was somewhat close um but that was also like skater boy peter so not exactly the same thing i love andrew garfield but some of the decisions they made for that movie like the writers and the director i'm not gonna get into it but it was weird um another marvel pinup so a lot of these early books must have some pages missing i do love this pinup though the art's really good pretty cool i like the kind of shaded i like, I like how all the villains so far in a little uh little box if i was in love that it's there's a little there's all the little villains outside but there's also at the top right and left there's stanley on a typewriter and steve dicko drawing and there's like you know i guess that sweat just like coming off the yeah. face or like uh, just like intensity yeah. racing to do it if i was a 12 year old kid bought this comic book i would put this up on my wall i don't know for sure i, I mean it's, it's got spider-man it's got all his side characters and it has all the villains around I, it <laughs> them up there is what i look like two hours before we have to record trying to read five comic books <laughs> now i think we have to talk about of all these villains around this pinup the obviously most important one is the clown in the bottom right now i saw your lips just say doc ock but my microphone or my headphones did come out of my uh i did not say doc ock did you not say doc the ock? most important villain of all of these is the clown in the bottom right oh the clown, the clown. yeah i think that's obviously the most uh, noteworthy villain here I won, I won that or the that. alien from the issue two i still can't get over that just casual alien that he just has not thought about since but i guess like you said <clears throat> you know there's the fantastic four and stuff so but i mean it's crazy to think that we're, we're on episode five of this podcast and we have this many of spider-man's iconic villains that we've already seen when we went to you know into the 15s or after the 15s like you know from here it's gonna be in issue one to 15 there was like a new one every yeah so it's gonna slow down but it's it's we're getting to the point now where we really get to see the recurring story and that's what i'm most looking forward to and it's very exciting yeah Yeah, like i actually huge villains after not even huge villains Somewhat huge villains after this are like the Shocker, Venom, yep. Carnage, Rhino, Rhino, um, Kingpin comes around. I'm very excited for Kingpin because he's he's around a lot after he appears. And I haven't I haven't read uh, too many comic books with him in it. Neither have I. So I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to that a lot. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. You have issue fifty too, right? Which is insane. I do. Yeah. It's more... That's like that's. One of my pride and joy. Have you seen the prices on those things? Now? I I really want to get it signed by John Romita. That's it's crazy. That's yeah, a huge yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hard. He's like ninety three years old, so I don't have much time right. to. Um, I want to get a like, one twenty one or one twenty two signed by him. Do it. I think they do mail in signing, so I'd look into it because that's what I'm looking into. But uh, anyway, diving into the last issue of this episode. Issue number 24. Now, I believe I said last episode that this was the issue that I was looking most forward to. Uh, I have long said for a while that this is probably one of my favorite Spider-Man covers of all time. I love this cover. I love the blue in the background. I love Peter on the ceiling, and he's got his hand on his face, you know, clearly distressed, and he has Vulture and Sandman around him. I just think the framing of this cover is awesome. I love it. So, I think I I told you this. Coming into it, for whatever reason, I never read this book. I've never, I never really grasped my interest, and so 
and for whatever reason, I didn't really look into the cover. Either. I didn't look into the cover and say, hey, I wonder what's going on here. I looked at the cover, I saw Spidey Goes Mad, and I said, oh, it's a Sandman and Vulture appearance, I think. And then I just started reading it. Which, I'm jealous, because I knew yeah. what this book was about. And going into this book, it's clearly written in a way to be kind of a, a little bit of a mystery, a little bit of a whodunit. Now, spoiler alert, if you haven't read them yet, you should go read them. If you haven't read this book and you don't know what happens in it, before we discuss it, seriously go read this comic book for yourself. Yeah, if anything, um, just this one. Just this one. I mean, I really think it's one of the best uh, that we've had so far, in my opinion. Um, so issue 24... Uh, it's obviously uh, The Return of Mysterio, which his first appearance in 13, we talked about how it was kind of cool, but also a little underwhelming. Uh, we obviously knew that he was bad the whole time, so it wasn't, it didn't, it's not like we were brought along for the ride thinking that he was a hero. Um, but this one, you're not, you don't know that it's Mysterio until the very end, and that's the way Mysterio should be, in my opinion. And this is where you start to see the psychological elements of him as a character, and this is why I love him. There's a couple of really cool things I do want to point out, I guess, first and foremost. So the splash page, there's uh, Spider-Man talking to this therapist or whatever. And then there's Doc Ock, there's Vulture, and there's Sandman in like some weird like <clears throat> cloud type thing. Disco lights. Yeah, so the uh, Mysterio uses throughout this issue villains that Spider-Man has fought to mess with him. But the only villains that Mysterio uses are ones that he teamed up with in the Sinister Six, yeah, which I thought was really cool, yeah, because it's kind of like, oh, I know, I've met these people, I've worked with these people, I know how to like create their illusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he didn't do like the Green Goblin, yeah. You know what I mean, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, he he kind of uses what he knows. Um, but the the story of this issue kind of starts with um, Peter. He he needs money, right? He's broke as always. Typical Spider Man story. Um, and so he sees a guy breaking into a house, he goes to thwart them, uh, and he wants to take pictures of it, and then Foswell shows up. So now he can't sell those pictures, because then Foswell will know that he is Spider-Man, pretty much. So the thing about the literally the first page where you can see the guy, I, think, I, I don't know if you remember me saying this too, yeah. breaking into the house, mm -hmm. is you just see his shirt and his pants, you don't see his face, because he's like, you know, going in. Again, I thought this might have been a Sandman vulture or whatever that looks like the same man's outfit he has the green so, shirt brown with, pants with, exactly with a hundred percent i thought he was about to see the sandman in this house and they, they were gonna fight no no it is, it is just some robbers um but yeah a little fight scene uh uh foswell shows up he has to leave peter goes to daily bugle uh, i love this scene with jj he's looking for the copy boy and the big red letters yelling out, copy boy, uh, as Peter is like ducking around hiding from him. This just reminds me of the levels in the Spider-Man video game where you're playing Mary Jane. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. ducking behind desks and like hiding from JJ. It's just, it's funny. Betty pushes his head down. Just a little bit of humor. Uh, and he sees another letter from Ned Leeds. So that's kind of continuing that plot line. Right. Um, but I don't know if you had any other thoughts about that scene. Didn't think there's really much to talk about there. No. I mean, I could hear J.K. Simmons' voice every time I every see time those big red letters. I really hope now that J.K. Simmons is back in the MCU as J. Jonah Jameson, I hope they adapt some of these storylines in the MCU, yeah. like having him actually take a more villainous role. Because it seemed like in the Raimi movies, he was always just 
you know, he thought Spider-Man was a menace, but he didn't do anything that crazy. Um, but in the MCU, he definitely seems a little bit more crazy. And I think that he might actually make the Scorpion or make... Well, Matt, man, Mark Gargan's in the MCU, so... Yeah, so I think that could be something really cool to see as well. Um, but yeah, Foswell's there, still working, still being all suspicious. Um, but they decide... JJ's new brilliant idea. He wants to turn the public against Spider-Man. So he goes, you know what? Let's go out in the public and get negative interviews about Spider-Man. And mm -hmm. in the most fair journalism way possible, they clearly coerce people to give negative thoughts. And they don't include any positive ones. No, there's some positive stuff going on. Starts to be said. Yeah, yeah. This is shoo -shoo. fake news happening in the 60s, so it is not a new issue. No. Um, but yeah, so... Flash Thompson kind of plays a pretty big role in this book. Yeah. Uh, he shows up and tells off the reporter. He's like, if you don't print what I say, that Spider-Man is great, I'm going to beat you up. And he starts threatening <laughs> this journalist. I kind of like Flash. I mean, other than the bullying part, I kind of like Flash. I mean, I just... I think people that are hotheads in, in comics are just <clears> always <throat> funny. Yeah. And I mean... Ultimately, you are kind of supposed to like Flash. I mean, over the course yeah, of the series, so. you start to sympathize with him a little bit more, and he obviously right. changes a lot. Um, but so, yeah, he's he's defending Spider-Man, and then you know, typical stuff's happening with Peter talking to Liz, and Flash is seeing him and telling him, stay away from my girl. You know, that's all kind of the same recurring thing. Hey, yo. What? <laughs> the, page, the page where uh, Flash is, like, clutching his arms like this. Yeah, uh, the the panel right after that. Do you see the guy behind the guy holding the newspaper? Yeah. What does he look like for you? It's kind of gray. Yeah, what's up with that? I think it's just a problem with the coloring. The man, the man's gray. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be negative. I think it's just a problem with the shading. Um, he does look a little bit weird. Uh, but now, enter the next scene. J. Jonah Jameson gets a visitor. Mm-hmm. It's the psychologist or psychiatrist, psychologist from Europe. There it he's is. Very interesting in Spider-Man. Um, he's he's had some of the cases before, so he's a very sick man. He knows he's a very sick man. Um, he's in a fantasy world. He says he wants to be a spider, but of course he's a human being. Yep. This guy wants to be a spider. Yeah. Um, there's people nowadays that want to be certain, you know, just certain animals, you know. So this is again something. Ahead of the time. Today was happening in the sixties. Ahead of the times. Uh, one inconsistency that happens here. Foswell says he's or not Foswell. The the psychiatrist says he's visiting from Europe. He's visiting vacation, from Europe. Later in the book, they visit his home in New York. He's got a vacation home in New York, man. So there's some inconsistencies in his story. Where do you vacation for the summer? He said. I don't know if it's intentional. Maybe Stanley just messed up and you know wrote vacation and then he gave him a home, or maybe it's intentional to poke some holes in the guy's story. Oh, I'm sure it's intentional. I'm that. yeah. I'm gonna give the Stanley Stanley the credit to say that it was intentional, um, but that is something I noticed when I was reading it because obviously I knew and I suspected, but I read it and he said he was on vacation and then later he visited his home. I was like, that doesn't add up. So maybe I'm dumb, but at this point, <laughs> still clueless. I mean, it's still they keep the secret pretty well, in my opinion. It was it was probably until uh, 
the first fight with like Doc Ock and stuff when start, stuff started just disappearing. Okay. I was like, oh, I was like yeah. all right. So Peter, being the suggestible guy he is, reads in the newspaper, Spider-Man is crazy, says this psychiatrist, and he starts to sweat. Right. He is sweating. He goes, maybe I am crazy. Oh, my gosh. Um, and she doesn't even question it for a second. Just goes with it. Doesn't it's add playing up. with his head. It's getting with his head. And uh, <sighs> it pretty much makes him want to actually go to this therapist at some point. To, yeah. To, to get help. But before that, he starts running around. And there's this weird cat on a balcony. Or on a building. As he's swinging around. And all of a sudden, in a very instant, Doc Ock shows up. Now, I think we talked about this when we recorded this episode the first time. Right. Did you notice the cat the first time you read this? I noticed the cat, but I noticed nothing else. I noticed the cat immediately, and I could tell there was something up with this cat. Because oh, there's, wait, no. there's never a random cat just in a panel. And the way the panel is framed, I mean, the cat is in the forefront. Like, it's there, noticeable. And I think it's brilliant. I... I might have noticed the cat, I, or I might have actually just noticed the, uh, what was it, was there, was there a bat before that or something There like is that? a bat later on, and I think we actually, I think I remember you saying you didn't notice the cat. Yeah, I didn't notice the cat, I noticed the bat. The cat is in two frames, it's in this yes. frame, and then Doc Ock and Sam are attacking him, and you see the cat again. So when yes. I saw it the second time, I was like, okay, something is up with this cat. What if there wasn't something? Was just... There's just a random cat there, I mean, it adds That's a little bad. bit of, you know, change to the, to, the, to the dynamic, but... Uh, I immediately suspected, and then he keeps swinging, and then the bat flies by, and that one's more prominent even than the cat, and then Vulture shows up. So all of these after, villains. That's after Sandman and Doc Ock show up and then disappear. Yeah. In, uh, out of thin air. So Spider-Man thinks he's going crazy, man. These villains are popping up. They're disappearing. He doesn't know what's going on. He thinks he's hallucinating. There is a great panel of him just highlighted in red, just looking absolutely terrified. Yeah, that's amazing. He's, he's losing it a little bit, which is slightly concerning that it takes very little to tip him over the edge. <sighs> but And he just kind of like... Right, he, he looks in the mirror. He says, I look, I look like a ghost. And then he... <sighs> Fucks it out of Aunt May's house, and Aunt May's like, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah, she's getting suspicious. She thinks I'm sure he heard me, but he dashed out with even answering. Something must be troubling the poor boy. And if only she confide in me and let me help, dude. She knows, or she just thinks something is troubling him, and she wants to know what. She doesn't know what is troubling him. Think so, but uh, this man. Yeah, so he. He, he runs out of the house, he changes into his Spider-Man outfit, and he rings the doorbell of this man's vacation home, I guess. Yeah. To talk to his the, home uh, address. I don't his know. His home address. That's, I guess it was on the newspaper. And yeah, it's in his article. He just he, he just enters this guy's home, pretty much. Yeah. He enters his home, and uh, what I liked, I noticed that there's a fishbowl with a little fish in it. As soon as you walk in. It's a little hint. Now again little hint i like that a lot but he walks into the house he sees a light at the end of a hallway with the door slightly creeped open he walks into the room and everything is upside down as well as the psychiatrist who's sitting in his uh chair at the desk is upside down everything's upside down peter thinks he's hallucinating and what is pretty cool is that the uh the dialogue bubbles are upside down for the uh, psychiatrist who is on the ceiling. Love that detail. I don't know how hard it was to do that 
back then because I mean nowadays with a computer obviously you can just kind of rotate it um, but yeah the text is upside down so you kind of had to turn your uh, whatever you were reading on to read it um, but Spider-Man immediately just starts running he thinks he's going nuts and I think he ultimately also doesn't want to talk to a psychiatrist because he's worried about giving away his identity which has happened before that's happened before but he's like oh okay you know what I need help I need this guy to talk to me so he sits him down and he's still hallucinating now he's seeing Vulture and Doc Ock and he's just kind of losing it in the chair it's going crazy and then some other characters come into the fray. Specifically, J. Jonah Jameson finds out that this psychiatrist is a fraud. So mm-hmm. he goes to the address to barge in on him. Well, Flash Thompson happens to be walking by. Flash Thompson's mad at J.J., so he goes barging in, and they all go running in on the psychiatrist. And that's when things hit the fan. I like that Flash is literally chasing J. Jonah Jameson. J.J. has a uh, cigar in his mouth, just you know, screaming at Flash, and he tells him to go play in traffic. <laughs> I love it. Why don't you go play in traffic? I love it. That is, uh... Yeah, yeah. JJ barges into the house as well. Flash Thompson still, again, he pokes his head into the house as JJ Jones is running in, and he goes, and yet another thing I gotta tell you. He's just, this kid is just chasing this old man, just screaming at him. He's like, we're, good, we're gonna ran- pick at your place. In someone's random house, still going off. Um, and, uh, yeah, J.J. barges in and says, you know, you're a fraud. And he realizes that he barged in right as Spider-Man was about to get unmasked. So, in a way, J. Jonah Jameson just helped Spider-Man. And then, yeah, he he, he really feels like a fool for that. Um, And then Flash barges in, and he's like, Spider-Man, if you're in trouble, I'm gonna help. And then he he tackles J.J. He tackles J.J. immediately. Tackles J.J. to the ground. Spider-Man, I think, realizes what's going on at this point, and he yeah. does. And then he tackles the uh, the psychiatrist, rips mm-hmm. off his fake mask to expose Mysterio. Quentin Beck. This is like Quentin a Scooby-Doo Beck, moment, Literally unmasking is. him. I would have gotten away like a... with it if it weren't for oh you my... rotten kids. Do you ever see this? This is what he reminds me of, the Scooby-Doo animated Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has the, the same haircut. Was Frankenstein. Yeah, the same haircut, same like head. It's, it's a Scooby-Doo moment. I mean, he would have yeah. gotten away with That's it if crazy. it weren't for JJ and Flash. Well, yeah, um, and then, of course, we get some exposition where Mysterio reveals his grand plan. He had the, the cat and the bat making hallucinations. He had the fake room that was upside down, the whole thing. And JJ has his typical, oh my gosh, I've made a fool of myself again. I printed so fake if news. I just, if I just didn't barge in, Spider-Man would have been on Mass. Yeah, he would have been defeated, and then Flash is like, "Wahoo!" You know, we saved Spider-Man. I got to help him. Uh, and the issue ends with Peter and Aunt May talking, uh, and Liz is there, and he actually goes to study with Liz. So they're kind of having a little thing going on. Yep. Um, so he has a bit of a happy ending, actually, walking off into the sunset with Liz, which is not the girl he wants to be with. He'd rather be with Betty, but that's not happening. And uh, as Peter does get home, though. Aunt May is so worried, obviously, because she didn't call. He didn't tell her what was going on, and very heartfelt moment. Uh, May says to Peter, "After all, Peter, you're all I have left in the world, and if anything should have ever happened to you, <clears throat> she knows. She knows. Possibly. Possibly. Oh, possibly. Like I said, if ever there was an issue where I think it made sense, it was last issue with the laundry, and this issue with him running out. I mean, the, these starting to be things that." 
would put suspicion. Like, I don't think Aunt May is stupid. I think she's starting to suspect. They do, in these early issues, kind of play her out as, like, the, you know, kind of, not ditzy, but, like, they What's don't... The word? They don't play her out as the smartest character in the world. She's, 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 she's doting? She's nodding? What is doting, it? yeah, doting is part of it, but just kind of, I don't know, a little little uh, vacant-minded. Um, but right. la- later in the comic, she becomes a lot sharper, and I think that that is something that maybe maybe they weren't thinking about that yet, but I think she's a smart lady, and I think she's maybe starting to suspect a little bit. So I do think there is some credibility to the theory that she knows. I just don't think it's confirmed. But yeah, well, I won't be confirmed till overall you know, 1995. This issue is definitely my favorite one this episode. Uh, I rate it nine out of ten. Uh, I have, I, I really, like I said, I really, really like uh, Scorpion, and I really, really like Green Goblin. Obviously, I'm gonna put those two issues above this one. I don't know something for whatever reason. This even when I was a kid, like I said, I never read it. Like it just never kind of enticed me it was pretty good i I, enjoyed it it was definitely different and it was uh the first time mysterio actually started i think messing with peter's head yeah i don't i don't think he really did that much in the sinister six book he he just had decoys of the x-men or whatever oh right right which he he did like illusions and stuff but this is when it's psychological yeah Uh, and that is in my opinion the best mysterio so i think I always loved this book because of the cover. Reading it again, I just love the story. What what was your rating out of ten for this one? I give it an eight. Okay, so still a solid rating. No, definitely, it was a great book. Okay, so did I rate issue twenty three? Uh, yeah, I think you gave it like a ten point five or an eleven, right? No, that was twenty. Okay, what did did, did either of us rate twenty three? I don't think we skipped right over that. What uh, do you rate, rate issue twenty three? I give it an eight. I give it an eight as well. I think it's good. I don't think it's perfect. But I think it's good. I think the Green Goblin fight at the end pretty much is what made it an 8 for me. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, that and the scene with him calling Aunt May. Love it. Um, so, some great books this week. Definitely. Uh, next episode. Very nice. We are diving into issue 25, 26, 27, 28, and 29. We are seeing the return of the Green Goblin. We are seeing J. Jonah Jameson really, really become a villain properly. First appearance of the Molten Man and the return of the Scorpion. Which yes. issue are you most looking forward to next? There week? is so many good things happening here. I'm very interested in 25, but I'm not because I feel like it's going to be like, eh. Mm-hmm. Things going to be mid, but I'm interested to see what it's about. Yeah. Never read it. I don't know if you have. Nope. Um, never read it. Issue 26, 27. I know. Two great issues. I'm going to really enjoy reading them again. What? Well, I think we talked about this when we recorded it the first time. Issue 26 is the first appearance of the Crime Master. Right. And it's kind of a mystery to his identity. And I think we talked about how you didn't know who it was. And I actually do remember who it was. I don't think I've ever read it, but I somehow found out. Does it get put in these two issues? I think it's revealed in issue 27. How the hell do I remember this? Because I read these. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, 26 is the first appearance and 27 is the death of this crime. I don't remember that. Of this crime. But when I was a kid... All right, well, I guess we'll see. But I'm excited for... To come next episode and discuss this because it is an interesting plot twist, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I think the issue I'm most looking forward to, I would have to say, 28, 
Possibly. Uh, because I am looking forward to seeing the Molten Man. Because as a kid, I remember always thinking the Molten Man was really cool, but I don't remember any of his comic books. So I'm excited to actually read it. Uh, and then I'd probably have to put 29 on there. I was disappointed with issue yes. 20. I made that very clear in this episode. So I'm excited to see him return and see if the Scorpion is any better. Because I've never read 29, so I have no clue. Let me put it this way. I'm excited, very excited for issue 26 through 30 because I, I recently picked up a 30, if you remember. Mm, so I'm yeah. just kind of interested to see about that. <clears throat> I'm the least excited about 25. I would agree with that. I mean, that's probably the, the least uh, exciting one. Um, mm-hmm. Still exciting, but the least exciting out of all the five next week. Um, but yeah, so if you're reading along with us, you guys, 25 through 29... Uh, we will be back to a weekly schedule with this podcast. I know we've been gone for a long time. I am able to record podcasts again, so we're going to be back to every single week. Uh, I think this one should be up on Tuesday, uh, but going forward, we will be back to our normal schedule going on Mondays every single week. So we will see you guys next week, next Monday, uh, on the channel, on podcast platforms. If you do listen on podcast platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh uh, Google Podcast. Make sure you give us a rating, Just whatever rating. you think is fair. So you know, five stars, obviously. At least. Um, I know Apple and Google have ratings. I'm pretty sure Spotify has ratings now too. So, give us a rating. Share it with your friends. You know, get everyone involved on the Comic Club. We'd love to have them here. Uh, check out socials. Uh, you can see it on the YouTube page. Go and follow JP Creations on YouTube. Uh, TikTok at it's JP Creations. Instagram at j.p.creations. Uh, and you can, of course, subscribe to me on YouTube, DA Comics, TikTok at DA underscore comics, Twitter at Real DA Tweets, and on Instagram now, actually, I announced this on the last episode of Around the Boxes. I don't have it on here yet. Uh, I am back on Instagram. I haven't posted anything yet, but at DA Comics, you can go and follow me there, uh, and I will have some Instagram posts and reels and different things come in there, so uh, I will see you guys over there. But uh, unless you have anything else to add... No, I think there's a lot of uh, more content coming from both of us on a bunch of different platforms and different topics. So yeah, uh, keep your eyes peeled. Keep eyes peeled. Definitely some content coming over on the JP Creation side. I'm I'm waiting with all you guys. I mean, I'm just as excited. Um, and definitely, uh, if you haven't checked it out on YouTube, I have Around the Boxes. That's where I show my new comic book pickups, talk about the new releases, uh, different back issues I've got. My most recent episode, if you guys haven't seen it, go check out the most recent episode of Around the Boxes. I got multiple CGC books. That are awesome, and you should go check those out. Um, CGC criminal. I'm addicted to buying CGC books, but um, and more content coming as well on the channel. Um, but I'll have more information about that coming very soon. So I'll see you guys there. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next week, and uh, appreciate you. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>